Hi, I'm Josh Givens. And I'm Stan Givens. And welcome to this episode of Rescuing Churches, where it is always a great adventure discussing church revitalization and pastoral life. And discouragement. And discouragement, which is what we're going to be talking about we're today. discussing discouragement. Yes. Learn, in an encouraging way. In an encouraging way. Learn more at 614ministries.org. Not about discouragement, but just about 614ministries.org. Well, you you interrupted the whole intro. You, so. could, you could learn about discouragement. Yeah, you could, I guess. Hello, and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth. be no exaggeration to say though dad that this year has been i mean let's just say it it's been one for the books 2020 you've had political unrest cultural upheaval yep all kinds of turmoil crazy viruses yep murder hornets everything pandemic pandemics it, it really just seems like it's one of those years that's going to go down for in, in in history for a whole lot of reasons but in the midst of all that kind of turmoil as if that's not enough already there's been the impact that the pandemic has had on the local church and the mm-hmm. effects that it's had on the mm-hmm. local churches especially on small churches really churches of any size but all that's churches, all yeah. combined with the normal struggles that churches were already going through anyway churches were in decline right. already they were in decline Cult- way before covid ever came along cultural issues were really hard for the churches to make adjustments and address. Exactly. So when you have all that rolled up together and packaged into one thing, it can be very discouraging for pastors. And we've both mentioned in previous episodes, and and we say it a lot, that pastoring, especially through 2020, but pastoring really, period, has never been more difficult. That's right. Um, If, you know, and I know that you were reflecting on this and you put together these five points on how to handle those times when you're having a really bad week, month, month or year, year, just a really bad Years. time in general <laughs> yes. as a pastor. Yes. If 2021 just piles on top of 2020, yep. it's okay. There's some things you can do to not live in the discouragement of it, but to live That's right. above it and in the spiritual call of your life. That's right. So... As per our usual tradition, let's go through these one by one, and I'll ask you to expand on them. <clears throat> Sounds good. And see if you really know what you're talking about or if you remember your notes or <laughs> anything like that. Not that old. Right. So number one, focus on God's words to you versus focusing on the reality of your circumstances. This is really hard to do. Yes. Not just when you're a pastor, but just when you're a believer right. in general. So tell me what you mean here and how you would encourage pastors specifically also to do this. Well, the, the issue becomes 
when you're in a time of discouragement as a minister, um, it's not a time for you to have a pity party or uh, whine as the nature of man is. Um, we, we tend to love to be, you know, have, get pity and sympathy and, and all that. But when you're the leader of the church, you're going to rock a bunch of people's faith element um, because your their stability is your stability. And so you're going to have to maintain yourself and not get focused on your circumstances. You can't let your circumstances be the end all. You know, we studied Psalm 4 a few weeks ago on our Wednesday night service. And David in Psalm 4 has been overthrown by his son. There's been a coup and a, a military might has come and removed David and his army from uh, his throne. And so as an older king, now he's on the run from his son, but he's not discouraged. Uh, when you when you read Psalm 4, he says God's in charge and God's going to help us with this. And we're not going to do something that's causing civil war. We're not going to damage our own people. We're going to wait and see what God does and let God resolve this. And he actually says, trust in the Lord right. in the middle of all this. So he wasn't having a pity party. He could have easily had a pity party, um, but he wasn't having a pity party. And he was focused on what God had promised him and told him about his kingdom. He was focused on the things uh, that God was doing, not his circumstances. Um, the Apostle Paul, Philippians 1, verse 6, um, very crystal clear that, you know, he who began the good work in you will complete it. Paul's in jail writing that letter could easily have a pity party from jail. Oh, absolutely. The old poor pitiful Paul, here I am serving the Lord, and look what happened. <laughs> this is going great. <laughs> Instead, he writes a letter of joy, a letter all about joy to the Philippian church and says, you know, this is awesome, and God's got this. Don't worry about me. Woohoo, I'm in jail. <laughs> yeah, God's got this. God, Everything's going to be fine. So he had a very positive, as a spiritual leader, those two men set examples for us of what it means to have a, a positive take on things and to focus on God's Word, not your circumstances, which will lead you to a pity party. Absolutely. And I'll, and I'll just ask you, long-term church member and silent partner will just nod, uh, possibly during this time, but can you ever think of a time when any minister's public pity party, when when he said something as a pity party in the pulpit? Oh yeah, sorry for the alliteration. Sure, um, <laughs> that it was good for anybody. Did it help anybody that he got up there and whined? Never, ever. Yeah, you're not going to think of one of those, <laughs> right? I, you know, oh poor pitiful pastor. It's never going to go. Never well. going to go ever. good that way. Doesn't mean your elders don't need to come alongside you and you can vent to them, yep. but it does mean you really do need to uh, project from the pulpit the hope that you have in the Word of God to Absolutely. be answered and Him to keep His promises. Right. And the great thing about the—and this is just something that entered my head as you were saying that—the great thing about the hope that we're, proje that we're projecting from the pulpit is that it's not a false hope. It's not a we're getting up there and acting like we're hopeful. It's not a no, fake. Yeah. And, I, and I think I think a lot of times we get up there and think, oh, well, we, we have to— Fake it. Fake it. Fake our positivity and our hopefulness. But it's not mm -hmm. fake. It is genuine and should be genuine. It mm -hmm. should be something that we actually grasp because it's biblical. Very true. Very um, true. I, and I know that, you know, you have a couple of fellow ministers who are also on a deep friendship level with you and guys that you keep pretty close to the vest when you need to actually vent or unload mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's, that's wise. You know, um, you know, somebody that you can go to and say, hey, 
am I thinking right or wrong about this? You know, what right. do you think about this? And right. something like that. So, well, and, and in your world, you, you would advise this as well. I've, I've noticed you catch several uh, issues of this in your own, as you, as you're, we're helping churches, but as a pastor, even your whining can't be social media. You no, cannot no. use social media post as a place to vent. No, don't vent on it, social. The social is supposed to be positive. And right. We don't need the churches. Uh, the, the, we don't need all churches taking that hit. Right. You know what I'm saying? All, all when when you vent on social media as as a pastor, maybe about your church. Yep. Everybody that reads that now, or even goes, just venting about the local church, yeah, goes well. See, there's a problem with the Christians, <laughs> right? And all the churches take a hit, so right. You know, it's just and, not and good, it, and it can also affect the members at your own church. And and here's another interesting note on that. I would say, and this is just you know, there are so many ways that a pastor can vent on social media. It it's not even necessarily a flat out, you know, I'm a, a rant, like a rant, yeah, or yeah. Or, or calling out a congregant by name, mm-hmm. you could just be posting an article that is targeted at something that's happened at your church or in your church um, or a church in your community or something like that mm-hmm. and not even say a word about the article. Yeah. But, but the very fact very that you, subtle, but the yeah. very fact that you posted it, everybody knows was a jab at a person or church or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that does not reflect well on your character as a pastor to yeah. just say, hey, God's got this situation. He's going to handle it. It's not good spiritual leadership. It's not good leadership. Agreed. No. no. So there's there's a lot of different ways that that can happen on on social. And and I've seen it happen multiple different mm-hmm. multiple different ways. So the second point you have here in your list is to separate yourself from the ministry. I know that's worded funny. <laughs> well, you mean I'm discouraged, so now yeah. I'm going to separate myself from. I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, this is not right. actually what we mean. Right. You mean emotional separation in certain ways? I would assume you obviously can't detach yourself so much that you're no longer approachable to people in your own flock. Right. But and man, I just know so well how this works. <laughs> the your ministry, you take it very personal. Oh yeah. So you have to take the personal out of it when people are critical, when people are leaving. Yep. You have to you have to take it out of the personal. It's not a personal jab at you that somebody left the church necessarily. Um it could be, but it, but it may not necessarily. And be. even if it is, and even if it is, <laughs> you you have to separate yourself from that and say yep. God's at work in this ministry. This is his church. He adds to the number. He subtracts from the number. Exactly. So you can't let your emotions get ramped up, and and you take foolish criticism, sometimes immature criticism, very personal. You know, somebody says something like, "Well, you know," you take that real personal, right? When it's really a ministry issue that has to do with the immaturity of somebody, has to do with the misconception somebody has, has to do with somebody doesn't understand the whole truth of what you as a leader can see. Sure. And when you take that personal and begin to get your emotions ramped up, now you're back to number one. <laughs> you're sure. gonna you're gonna vent. You're gonna do something, um, and you yourself can miss God's instructions if you let your emotions get hung up in that. Um, when a person's critical of you, you can you should receive it and ask God to sort sort it out with you. And if you need to make adjustments, make adjustments. But you let God add to the number of the church and not you, and, right. and don't take it personal when things go up or down, and and don't withdraw so much that you become isolated or or so withdrawn 
that you're only there doing a Sunday, Wednesday sermon thing, and then you're not even involved in any other aspect of anything else. You know, it it could be real easy to just get so detached and isolated that you only do what you think is the bare minimum. Yeah. And Um, by by separate, I I mean, love your ministry enough to not make it your personal ministry. It's the Lord's work and you're doing whatever he asked you to do. Yep. Um, I mean, as a, as a pastor's kid, when when somebody here leaves the church or says something bad about me, do you right. take that personal? No, you don't get all ramped up and nope. I was like that. No, nope. but as a pastor, yeah, it's it's you know you you, you want to say it's that. like it's my church, but that's what you got to remember. It's not your church; it's the it's Lord's, the Lord's church. church. Yeah, and he's he's just using you to help. That's right, so. and 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 it helps to have that bigger picture that the church is mm-hmm. the church, capital C, global, big time. So all all of our churches, all of our you know gatherings of the church are just part of the larger church body. Mm-hmm. So that's it's always good to keep that that bigger perspective in mind. Number three here is remember God is building your character and solidifying your hope. This is another painful part of the process, I think. And as human, well, as as a man of God that's trying to lead the people of God, if if you don't think God's going to develop your character, <laughs> you've missed the entire point of what you're doing. Oh yeah. So the only way for you to be able to help other people is for Him to develop your character and put you through the furnace. Uh, you have to be refined. But all it, of us have to be refined. It's just natural for us as human beings to avoid pain. <laughs> yes. It's a natural response. Yes. Physical pain, emotional, emotional pain, pain, relational pain, spiritual yeah. pain, any type of pain. Right. The natural human inclination is to avoid it. Right. Whatever it is. See, it's interesting. But there's because, a healthy kind of pain. Well, exactly. And guys that guys that run like you know, crazy people that like to run a long distance oh, yeah. for fun. Like marathons. Yeah. yeah. They they don't avoid the pain. They actually nope. run till it hurts and then keep and running. Keep going. And guys that lift weights, yep. they lift weights till it hurts and keep going. Why? Because they're getting healthy. And so it's not always true that we avoid the pain. I think you're channeling a little Paul there. Was it Paul that said, I buffet my body, I run the race? There you go, 1 Corinthians 9. Some some of that's kind of something. But but really what's happening is God, when we he puts us through hard times, and trials, he's developing our character. Exactly. And and he wants your character to get stronger. The only way for, for you to get this solidified hope, and you were talking about earlier, it's not it's not like just a oh I hope it doesn't rain. You know, I hope Alabama wins this week. Well, of course they are, but you know, it's not <laughs> they will anyway. Yeah, it's not like that. You know, I hope LSU <laughs> might win another game. It's not right. like a maybe thing. It's a real the hope in God is one hundred percent solid. Well, how does he get you to understand that? He has to put you through enough trials to where you get it and you just never doubt it. That's right. That's what Romans five is all about. He, Romans five says we can rejoice in our trials because tribulations bring about perseverance. Yep. So when we're in a trial, we will learn to persevere. What happens when we learn to persevere? It gives us proven character. What happens when we get proven character? God says the next step is hope. You have a hope that will never disappoint. So I really encourage everybody to, you know, as you're going through this trial, embrace it and say, 
you know, Lord, thank you for developing my character. You know, I know I'm going to be stronger at the end of this. I know I'm going to be wiser at the end of this. I know I'm going to be healthier spiritually yep. at the end of this, and I'll be able to bring other people through these trials. Yeah, and and you may. And it's not, hard to say when the church is trying to fire you, or yeah, <laughs> you know, somebody's you know suing you or whatever's happening. It's really yeah. hard. Or but, some family's mad and leaving. Yeah, or, but it's yeah, or two families are squabbling, squabbling and you're caught yep. in the middle of it. Oh yeah. But at the same time, discipline yourself. And say, I know this is God building my character. I'm excited about how this is going to benefit the kingdom of God. The only reason God's building my character is so I can help others. Exactly. Exactly. That's good. It's really good. Number four here in our list is to stay close to your leaders. And this is so critical that there's a good relationship between you as a pastor and your leadership. But also, again, it's good so that you're not alone and isolated and trying to do like yeah, a, we a talked about this pastoral several, gig by yourself. Several podcasts ago, oh, yeah. we talked about this, the need of having a healthy leadership group around you and having accountability and all those things. How often would you recommend that a pastor meet with his elders and leadership staff to discuss? He should talk to them multiple times in a week. Okay. As far as formal meetings, it all depends on what you got going on. I think on. that's something that some young pastors may struggle with. They don't know how, how often should I be meeting with these guys how involved should yeah. I be in communication? The elders should be checking on the pastor, and the pastor should be checking on the elders. Right. The pastor is an elder. Yep. Um, but they should be checking on each other pretty regular and just 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 checking in uh, and making sure everybody's okay. So, but but you you as a leader, um, if you only have one person in your church as a deacon or one more elder, you got to stay close to them. And when when you're going through a discouraging time, you've got to tell them, "Hey, I'm really discouraged now." In the pulpit. Or in our announcement time, you're not going to feel, you know, don't let me get that out right. as, yeah, that as can't an expression. Be but I need you to know, you know, I'm battling some stuff, and I want you to battle it with me in prayer. Right. I want us to pray through this, talk with each other about it, and get healthy through it. Um, ask God, ask the other elder, what's God showing you? You know, so let's look together at what this negative that's around our church right now is about and, and do what we need to do. We might need to read some blogs. We might need to... Look some things up online. We might need to reach out to, you know, one of the revitalization groups. Yeah, I don't know, maybe like 614. Maybe, maybe 614. <laughs> uh, and just get some information. But talk about it. Talk about healthy church models in the New Testament and how can we get where we need to get. But stay close as leaders. Don't let your leaders get distant from you when you get discouraged. Because you're, you're, you're already in a wounded place and you don't need to run from spiritual leadership and from spiritual uh, accountability at that time. That's good. That's really good. A lot of dangerous things can happen when if you do that. So number five, hold the hope of the gospel before your people. What does yeah, that, no, what does and that you just like? tell the people the gospel is the answer. Right. That, um, no matter what your trials or what you're going through, um, you know, I was at a church today that's very discouraged and very small, going through a really hard time. I, I was able to preach there for them today and fill their pulpit. Um, but I ended the message today with the hope of what the cross says and does. Um, if you understand the cross, nothing is impossible. And God can use anybody and chooses a bunch of nobodies to do his work. That's right. So as the leader of the church, no matter what your trial is going on, no matter what you're walking through or the church is going through, 
Um, you're the voice of God to the people, and you need to speak that truth to them. You're the shepherd, so be the shepherd of encouragement. Encourage them, read the promises, and speak the hope, and just wait on God. And the Bible positive. says wait. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean Israel wasn't 430 years in bondage. That's right. You know, <laughs> so it might be a long wait, might be a but long at wait. the end, there is redemption. That's right. And the hope of that redemption is always guaranteed. So I just, I just want to see our pastors not publicize their discouragement to the point that it damages the testimony. That's right. Or takes a bunch of people that were counting on their stability. Oh, yeah. And rocks them. And rocks them and, and, so, and weighs on them. Cause, yeah. Because it definitely can. It really can. Amen. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. We hope you found all the content and dialogue helpful, inspiring, and encouraging, as always. If you'd like to give us some thoughts and feedback on this episode, we'd love to hear from you at 601 601- 909-0614 or you can email us at 614rebuild at gmail.com you can also follow us on all of our social media platforms Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at 614rebuild